Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for the GNFCC 400 Insider. Connect, build, and grow with the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Hello and welcome to the GNFCC 400 Insider, the monthly radio show and podcast presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. I'm Callie Boatwright, President and CEO of the Chamber, and today we will be discussing the future of electric vehicles in Georgia. I know you are seeing more EVs and more EV charging stations in your commute around North Fulton, and you may even be wondering if it's time to move to an EV yourself. Luckily, my guest this month will be able to break down the details to help us make the best decision. Frank Morris serves as the Executive Director of Clean Cities Georgia. The Clean Cities program is an initiative of the U.S. Department of Energy and focuses on strategies to reduce petroleum consumption in transportation. There are nearly 100 Clean Cities coalitions across the country, and Clean Cities Georgia holds the distinction of being the very first coalition serving the entire state. Welcome, Frank. Callie, it's great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about EVs. Absolutely. I was lucky enough to have you as a luncheon guest at the chamber a couple of months back and enjoyed it so much that I wanted to have you back to talk to everybody in this manner. So I I really appreciate you coming out and joining me again. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate um, the other panelists. We had a great conversation. Good good questions and really good turnout. So thank you for having me back. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And if you don't mind, we'll just kind of jump right in with an introduction. Um, Obviously, you and I know each other, but for our guests, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe your connection to EVs, we want to know all about you and what led to your career today. Great. Well, I'm a transplant to Georgia. Um, I worked for UPS, retired from UPS in 2019 and did lobbying on behalf of UPS. But at the time, uh, working for UPS and and traveling down to the state capitol, um, I had a diesel truck that just wasn't going to work out. Oh my goodness! You know, traveling down to downtown and trying to find a place to park and stuff. So there was um, I, I was aware of the um, EV um, rebate that the state had in place, and um, I took advantage of that and encouraged me to take advantage of it. And I I got my first EV um, back in 2013. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Before the cool kids were doing it. That's right. Very, very interesting. Well, and you obviously, um, with your your career and your new position or your position with um, with the, with Georgia Cities, tell me a little bit about um, your clean clean cities coalition and how you lucked upon that great position. Well, I was familiar with Clean Cities Georgia because of the work I did with UPS. We supported the um, events that Commissioner Eccles had with his Clean Energy Roadshow. And we, um, UPS is a, a supporter of Clean Cities Georgia. So I would arrange to have alternative fuel vehicles go to the different events. And that's how I got involved with Clean Cities. I retired in 2019 and someone on the board found out I was retired and they were looking for an executive director. And they, uh, they called me up a few months after I retired. And I, I, I said, well, let me think about it after the new year. And once we got to the new year, I thought, you know, I want to stay involved. And so it was something I was passionate about, um, arg- arguing for there, there are other, alternative fuel vehicles out there to use besides gas and diesel. And so, um, you know, I knew a lot of the folks that supported that um, cause and uh, I was wanting to stay active. And so uh, I said, sure, why not? 
It was kismet. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, a history of electric vehicles. I, we've been around or hearing about electric vehicles for, for a long time. Um, you know, at first it was just hearing about the coming of them. And of course, everybody was laughing about that'd be the day that the Jetsons like moved to town right. and that was not a real thing. But just recently, really, the industry seems to have exploded. Um, do you mind giving us just a brief history of how this all started and where we are today? Well, Maybe not such a good history teller, but um, you know the the experience with the the uh, automobile manufacturers, automobile manufacturers, is that they've they needed to improve their um, uh, MPG in their vehicles, and and electric vehicles is one way to do that, and the technology is there, and and it's been proven to be successful. The folks that are thinking it's a new technology, it's, it's not a new technology. I mean, I've been involved or had an EV since 2013, so the. You, you see the OEMs um, wanting to improve their mileage, um, so they're turning towards EVs. Uh, there's a big push towards it. And you know, the greater cause about can we reduce uh, petroleum emissions. Mm-hmm. And so um, you see many um, uh, automobile manufacturers saying by 2030, by 2035, 50% of our vehicles or 100% of our vehicles will be um, – electric propulsion they're going to be evs and so i think that um the 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 world is kind of embracing that where it works and uh and it's it's um you know it's it's popular i think where we live in a metropolitan area you know evs are very popular um i had an opportunity to be with some friends uh, just last week that uh you know they still have questions about evs and so when you tell somebody you've been you've been driving one for 10 years is like, oh, really? Well, how does that work? That wouldn't work for me. And then you, you take them down this rabbit hole of, well, how many miles do you drive to work? Hmm, sounds like that might work for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a great rabbit hole to yeah. me. It's one of the things I wanted to ask you because I think for, for me and, and my life and being here in North Fulton, it's always something that, that I think about as well. So this is a great opportunity to kind of get honest about EVs. So obviously you let us know that you bought your first EV in 2013. Um, and so I'm, I'm asking you for a testimonial. Tell me about your experience. I don't know what kind of EV you have. So maybe walk me through the, sure. what made you decide other than the diesel truck, which <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I, my first car was in a uh, Nissan Leaf and the range was 95 to 105 miles oh my goodness. and uh, that worked getting back and forth to the capital from where I live in North Fulton. But even uh, on a good day that worked fine on a colder day, I would lose some range because of you know, the, the, the difference in the, the battery charge. And so there would be times where I would have to certainly plan out my route mm-hmm. because I charged at home. So the great thing was I left the garage every morning with a hundred percent charged car. That's full tank to that's you a, and me. That's a full tank to you <laughs> and me. And uh, could do the business that I needed to, but I had to get familiar with where charging um, locations are. The car has an app that says, you know, if you want to charge a charger near your destination, charger near you. So that was all, you know, it made it pretty easy, but um, the experience has been good for me. I, I it, For what I do, my lifestyle of living in the metro area and going to meetings and just being out and about and even, you know, um, even on the weekends, it works great. If we're taking a longer trip, we'll, we'll take my wife's um, ice vehicle and uh, um, it works out fine. I could take my car to Savannah, but I, I'm still not able to do that without having to stop and charge. And so there's a part of me that says, I don't really want to spend that extra time charging. We're going to take the ICE vehicle and it's, and it's a bigger vehicle. So it works out. But I know that folks make those trips at, you know, use Savannah as an example Mm -hmm. and they charge, maybe they charge in better and they plan out their trip. You know, I might be there 20 minutes, a half an hour. We get something to eat. We've got kids, get the kids out of the car or, or pets and let them do their thing. So, um, for me, 
around town, it works great. When I'm traveling farther, I, I don't want to have, have to do that extra charging time. So you obviously are able to charge your EV at home, which makes all the sense so that you leave with a full charge. Um, in 2013, I can't imagine that there were that many um, charging stations outside of obviously your home um, or very specific areas that were endorsing uh, the EV movement at that time. So I can't imagine, I mean, that would have been very, very difficult. I imagine that that's different now today. Uh, very much so. And it wasn't that difficult once you, you know, you had to start paying attention and you use the apps and said, okay, where's a charging station. They weren't just as apparent, but you get to, you get used to looking for the green signs in parking lots that says EV charging here or park here. But now uh, I would say in the Metro area, um, it is much more um, easy to find a place to charge. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of businesses that have installed chargers and they want to attract that person that's driving an EV. Uh, Companies do that as well. Um, you know, destination spots do that as well. So the charging is a lot more, um, it's a lot easier and accessible than you would imagine. But until you're driving that EV, you, you, you know, you don't really know because you're not looking for the charging stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when you buy a green car and think you're the only one with one and then you drive off the lot and you see, see every green car. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. it's an, a unique the way that that works. Um, and so you use the analogy of driving to Savannah. I'm going to, I'm going to pick Florida just because, you know, I 75. Um, so for, for a person who's, who's new to this and I understand there's an app, but what is the most frequent location that is the easiest to, to know that there's going to be, you know, a charging station? Are they grocery stores? Are they, cause I know our grocery stores seem to all have them, right. um, which makes sense, makes great sense. So are, are there certain types of businesses or stores that you know to look th- for, as far as, as you know, someone who's, who's been an EV user for, well, I use the app if I need to. So, um, but there are, are, I wouldn't say that there's across the board, one place to charge a car, but you know, uh, grocery stores, big box stores have chargers, um, restaurants, uh, shopping malls, uh, have chargers. So it's just, you know, um, where are you headed? You got to do your little bit of homework. You you and I would, if we left the, the home with a tenth of a tank of gas mm-hmm. we wouldn't care about where we were going to charge because we, we would pass by 10 or 50 different right. gas stations right so it's a little bit different with uh evs um but it's getting better and it will continue to get better when you look at legislation that's been passed so um you know to, to answer your question about favorite places there are the big box stores that some restaurants have them mm-hmm. they want to you know, attract you you know and if you're if you own a particular car like a tesla you know where the tesla stations are you've got an app for that as well or the car knows as well so but my nissan leaf will tell me where charging stations are um you know georgia power has built many charging stations across the state and put put them in communities to help space out that charging but make it available yeah, that makes sense too, obviously. So you still have your Nissan Leaf, your 2013, and it, or, oh, no, wait, no, no, your no, face no, is. Yeah. <gasps> no, so uh, that we retired, the, we drove the 2013 for a couple of years. Um, I'm actually on my fifth one. Um, so I'm on the 2020 that gets 225 miles range okay. instead of that 95 to 100 miles. But still miles. the Leaf? It's still the Leaf. It's okay. the newer model. Yep. Um, I had one at the, we, it worked so well for what I was doing. We got one for my, our daughters to use as well. So at one time we had two leaves in the family, but now we just have mine. And, um, I, you know, the new car, it's got greater range, a little, you know, 
a little bit more comfortable, uh, looks less like a bug going down the highway, <laughs> and uh, it's a zippy car. And for me, it works. And there, there would be a lot of EVs that, for sure. me that works. And you know, I keep thinking about what's my next one. You know. So. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're obviously an early adopter, but also if you've had five of these, it's not like you hate them. No, absolutely not. They that's, work great for my lifestyle. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so then you haven't had a, a EV for a long period of time, but I know that um, you know over time you keep hearing things about. Um, service and someone working on those EVs. And, and of course there's a whole workforce, you know, uh, line that's, that's working to train people to be able to do this. What has been your experience since that time, since 2013? I know Nissan must have obviously service people at their station, but you can't just pull up at, you know, Bob's service station and expect somebody knows how to, to work on them, I would think. Well, fortunately, um, and we, we've got a great Nissan dealer, in North Fulton, Regal Nissan, and that's where I've uh, leased or bought all of my cars. Oh, great. So, okay, so now sponsored. Yeah, there, oh, there just you go. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, let them know that I mentioned that. But um, I, I've not had any um, mechanical issues with the car. I mean, I have to remember to take it in to get the tires rotated. What? And they might want to change the, the air cabin filter, and, you know, I've changed uh, wiper blades. But um, I've not owned, you know, Owned them for more three, you know, three or four years at a time, but I've never had any mechanical issues, which I'm, you know, which is which is great. But there are fewer mechanical parts, right? You know, I don't have to worry about changing the oil and transmission oil and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a very different vehicle. It's it it's really just a computer, right? Yeah, well, I mean, a bit more than that. I obviously, wheels, I read wheels. yes, yeah. <laughs> kind of important to have wheels yeah. of all kinds. Um, but yeah, so no mechanical issues that you can talk about. What about um, battery costs? Because that seems to be the other big conversation out there. Um, the cost of the batteries, if if something goes wrong in recycling those batteries, um, and then you you know you mentioned car capacity as far as that battery capacity over time. Have you had experience with with your battery or or? I've, I've not had in, I've not had any degradation in the battery um, charge and how much it will hold because you know I had the cars for three or four years yeah um, but people are going to experience that and you know some folks have a Nissan Leaf that 2013 or 2012 model that they're driving around and they might have lost some of that battery um, capacity in the range uh, maybe it's you know maybe they're down to 80 or 85 percent I, I don't know because I don't haven't had that experience but I've been involved in these conversations and people are saying well it still you know meets my needs and, and it's great but even you know that that commuter application, it still works. Um, you've got um, OEMs that are you know warranting their batteries for eight years or ten years, and so I don't think that we're to that point where you've got all these cars immediately retiring and, yeah. and what are we going to do with the batteries? But there are people looking at that. Um, Georgia has attracted a couple of businesses to come and move into the state that will um, take those batteries and mine out the precious metals right. to be able to, to use those again. So there, there's a definite, definite business model for that. Well, and we were just talking about mileage, right? So the 2013 Nissan Leaf got about a hundred, hundred miles just cause that's a nice round number yeah. <laughs> to your charge when you left in the morning and your 2020, you said gets over 200. Yeah. 225. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that is in a short period of time, that's a pretty significant, you know, uh, addition to, to the range, if right. you will. And I assume that 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 continues to go up based oh, on absolutely. battery. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I just was uh, read an article about the. Um, I get the name wrong because drawing a blank. Um, over five hundred and ten miles uh, range. What? Yeah. Okay. Help me here. The air. The air. What is it? Um, 
I'm drawing a blank on the name all of a sudden, but um, so a, a, an electric vehicle that Lucid came... Air. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, the Lucid Air over 510 miles range. That is insane. Yeah. That's isn't great. That, isn't that something? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And I'm sure eye opening for those of you who started with a hundred. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, there are more cars in that 250, 310 mile range being being built and and uh, rolled out all the time. So the range you're going to continue to see that range grow. Right. Prices are coming down. The charging time that you need to commit is going to continue to improve as well. So tell me a little bit about that. So I was at Kroger yesterday, as I want to do on a Sunday, but um, I was doing some grocery shopping and watching folks plug in their their cars right there at the front end. And I realized I don't even know how that transaction would operate. I'm assuming that you pay for the charge, right? And so what does that look like? Well, in, in most places you do pay, yep. but um, for those that... Um, that there are some grocery stores and, and event spaces that you can go and park for free, yeah. get a little bit of charge. You know, you're not, you're only going to be there for an hour or two, right? but um, the transactions, everybody has an app. So you either, you know, you think of, you mentioned the grocery store, yeah. the little, the little plastic cards that we got the, yeah, for the, the grocery store for getting scans. So yeah. They, key card. Try, things. Yeah. Key card. Well, um, I have those, but then I also have the app where I just hold the phone up next to the pedestal and it reads it and it, and it, uh, discount or takes money out of my account you know my account gets refunded automatically you know like we do with um achs or any other type of accounts so that's one of the things that um the industry is kind of struggling with is having uh one payment system that works across all chargers and they're figuring that out well that makes sense it's it's still relatively new from that experience um also talk about the charging uh for your home use, the um, the box, if you will, that you had to install to charge your vehicle. I know you mentioned when we had our luncheon, the size of that yeah. box is, was enormous and has really gotten a lot smaller. Is that the case? Yeah, that's the case. So I, um, you know, 2013 technology and putting a Siemens box in my garage, I installed that. And, you know, it's um, now they're down to smaller than a shoe box wow. as far as size. And, and there are a lot of other companies out there as well that have gotten into this business and everybody's taking advantage of the, of the uh, infrastructure bills that are going to provide funding and stuff like that. But um, the charging infrastructure that you do at home is pretty simple, I think. That's an excellent segue. So we've already established you as a raving fan of EVs. So what if the listener wants to purchase? Um, I know recently there have been a number of federal funds and grants announced that would be able to benefit an individual who was moving to make a purchase of an EV. Can you maybe talk about for the average car buyer what that looks like? So there was the um, IRA, the infrastructure, no, IRA bill that passed Mm -hmm. and um, it has some funding in, in it for folks that want to buy brand new EVs or a used EV. Now there are some conditions, you know, made in America is one of those conditions. All right. I'm okay Uh, with that one. Yeah. Um, And then there's also um, price points on the vehicles. So you're probably not going to get the credit to buy the lucid air because (laughs) the price point for that vehicle exceeds what the threshold uh, is in the law. And then there's also, um, funding for used vehicles, used EVs, and that would be, so a new vehicle, you could get up to $7,500. Okay. And for a used vehicle, up to $4,000. Oh, wow. And it it also depends on the household income as well. So there's more to come on that, but uh, um, 
Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA yeah. has all of that details in it. And and I'll when we wrap up here, I'll give you some websites for folks to check out. That sounds great. Yeah, because if if somebody's thinking about it and knows that they can get seventy five hundred dollars towards a new EV, now's the time to do that. Is there in a, there's a time limit associated with that as well? If it's part of obviously what we're working on right yeah. now. Well, they have, and, and I'm not sure of the end date. The timeline. But, yeah. So you could be looking at purchasing a car in November or later and or in 2023. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that is a uh, good news for, for those who might be interested. And so I have to ask if, if these folks are all rushing out and getting their, um, their IRA bill, their, their incentive to buy a new EV, what happens to the gas guzzler sitting in, <laughs> you know, in the parking lot? Where, where are those going to go? I've heard, you know, people who are, are poo-pooing the entire idea saying, well, you know, where are they going to put all these, you know, uh, ancient vehicles if that's the case? Cause there's going to be a bunch of them. Well, if you, you think about timeline and someone says uh, the OEM say all of our vehicles are going to be electric by 2030. Well, right. that's so, so, quick. Yeah, that, that is. That's right around the corner, 2030. So they've got another seven years to sell ICE vehicles before they stop selling any ICE vehicles. Well, the, the traditional ICE vehicle might last 25 years or longer. I mean, so we're going to have ICE vehicles still on our roads for, for many decades, I, I imagine. Okay. And it's internal combustion engine. Yeah, that's right. Thank sorry. you. Yeah. I'm, I realized I'm like for, for everyone. Sorry. No, <laughs> dealing in acronyms is probably half of the, uh, the time to, to save for sure. So, so yes, there are going to be these vehicles and, and that's a problem to solve. That's right. I mean, think of all those, I mean, you drive around the America and you see all these, um, um, wastelands of old vehicles. What yeah. are those doing there? They've been there for decades. We got to find some use for those. They need to be recycled. The metal right. needs to be recycled. We, we can do better, but yeah, we're going to have ice vehicles for a long time. Absolutely. So. Um, I think you were uh, the one who at the luncheon made the comment that a good starting point is really to maybe, you know, if, if every family, if your family's a two car family, what's the best thing to do? Right. Your, your next vehicle should be an EV. And then you've got one ICE vehicle That's right. and one EV. That's right. Yeah, it's great. And then you can, can as you mentioned, take your, your wife's car to Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great idea. All right, let's talk about one of the bad stories, unfortunately, that came out of the hurricane that recently swept through Florida. Um, there was a lot of chatter about the fact that uh, many of those who were fleeing north on what were incredibly overcrowded interstates, um, one of those big stories was that the evacuation um, during the evacuation was that stranded electric vehicles couldn't find charging stations or ran out of juice while they were waiting in line and were just, you know, left on the side of the road, so to speak. Um, and then those that filled with water, the batteries wouldn't work anymore. I mean, there was a lot of conversation around this. Um, can you maybe talk about that infrastructure? I you know, obviously we still have a long way to go, um, but both on the charging station and, and about the electric capacity, because there is a capacity issue, even if everybody's plugging in at night while they're asleep, that's a capacity issue as well, I would imagine, on on drain. So so big question there, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'll take the, uh, the, the hurricane <laughs> issue. So um, there are companies, um, well, first off, one of the answers to that, I think, will be this National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Funding, which is the build out of a national infrastructure along national highways to have charging stations every 50 miles, no more than a mile off the interstate, interstate. with at least four cords, four plugs, so four cars could be charging at the same time, and they're charging at 150 kilowatts or or more. Um, For the layperson, 
That means it's it'll... A, it's a fast charge. Okay, think thank of it you. As a fast charge. Quick charge. Yeah, quick charge. Um, but but middle of the road, really, because you can get charging up to 350 kilowatts. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I think that the Nevi plan is going to help with that. So, you know, evacuation route from Florida through Georgia, uh, you're going to see uh, charging stations every 50 miles, and, and that will be helpful. Uh, there are also companies that um, can rescue vehicles, if you will, that they have said, look, we can be that that partner with the state or FEMA to, to park a, a, a truck and, I'm sorry, run it on propane. So it creates electricity oh, yeah. to uh, to charge these cars uh, when we have these type of natural disasters. So there there are works in the way to to, to resolve those issues. Um, I hope that helps folks. I mean, there's, you know, there's, you have to plan it out. I guess I have to plan it out no, no differently than if I had a half a tank of gas and you have lines going into gas stations. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. To try to get gas. And then there was that happening too. I think just that obviously all of this is new and, and new stuff is always sexy to report about, yeah, yeah. you know, good and bad, yeah. I guess on, on both. How about electric capacity? I know you partner with Georgia power and, mm-hmm. and our, our power suppliers to be able to, to have that discussion, but capacity for folks, if everybody's plugging in their, their EV at night. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that yeah. or during the day? Yes. So um, Georgia Power supplies about 50% of the, the energy that we use in, in um, Georgia. And then the EMCs and mm-hmm. Electric Cities does the other 50%. And then you've got dispersed network across the state. Um, Georgia uh, Department of Transportation, Janine Miller and her team mm-hmm. submitted um, the plan to receive the NEVI funding. That's the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Funding. And the plan was approved. And um, the plan was approved to probably build out about 30 additional charging stations that meet this NEVI requirement. We already have 10 or 11 that meet it, and then you're going to add another 30 along the interstate highways. The 50 miles. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And what they assessed during the writing of that proposal to go to the federal government to get approved was that um, Georgia has the ability to, you know, generate like 37 gigawatts of energy. And if they just build out those, 30 stations, that's only 162 megawatts or less. And that would be if everybody plugged into all four plugs at every station at the same time. And it's not likely to happen. So the point being is for now, and Georgia Power, I think, would say this as well, and so would the EMCs, is that there's more than enough power generation to to meet the needs of all of us that are converting to um, electric vehicles. Which is great because yeah. more and more are doing that, and and obviously as we as we move forward, the industry is getting stronger and faster and right. smaller. <laughs> yeah. and, and there are companies that do that offer services for, uh, for time management charging. So I can I can choose to program my car to start charging any you know at any time overnight if I'd like, or I can plug oh, yeah. it. I I can leave this meeting to go in and and take it back and plug it in immediately. Right. And there are um, power providers that provide discounts for off-peak charging as well. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of rotate around the the load, which is is beneficial to everybody. Um, you mentioned the the good fortune that, that Georgia has had with both Rivian and Hyundai creating an ecosystem around EVs. Um, what do you think that the future of automobile really looks like? Are there forecasts for the percent of EV that's going to occur over time? Um, there there have been, or there, or there is, and some... Um, what you see the OEMs doing is telling their dealerships, you need to get ready. Because if you imagine that um, you sell 200 cars, 200 cars a month, mm-hmm. and 50% of those are EVs. And so, the, I mean, that's where it starts, right, is the dealership having the car ready, charged for you and I to come in, to pick that new EV up, and it's, and it's ready to go. It's serviced and ready to go. So it starts with um, 
the dealership's getting ready, and they are. The OEMs are asking them to get ready, and they're providing resources for them to get ready. But when we all start buying, you know, 50% of our vehicles are EVs, um, the infrastructure's there. It's it's going to catch up. If it's not, it might be ahead of, of all of us uh, converting to EVs. But there's still plenty of time to figure that out. Um, and it's good to see that uh, people are taking a look at that. You know, we've, we've, um, we participated in a, uh, a study that um, Governor Kemp put on for the electric mobility um, infrastructure here in Georgia. The fact that we um, are attracting uh, two OEMs to come and make uh, 100% electric vehicles. We're attracting companies to support those companies. We've got uh, SK that's going to make the batteries okay. for the cars. We've got companies that are um, going to support the um, um, recycling of battery uh, mm-hmm. um, material. So it's quite an infrastructure that we're developing here in Georgia. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah, the halo effect of companies like Rivian and Hyundai is just amazing. We saw that with the Kia plane, of course, exactly. in LaGrange and continue to experience a great, great opportunity um, as as these new new industries, new new companies move move into our state, which is a good reason why we're, you know, nine years running, best state to do business. Right. We'll take that every time. Well, I appreciate very much um, your time and talking to me, uh, even personally, about your experience with EVs. Um, And I know that this is not the end-all, be-all of the questions that our listeners are going to have. When um, when they are thinking about uh, how they're going to do this, what the IRA bill looks like, um, where they should go, can you maybe connect uh, them with with Clean Cities? What's the best way to reach you? Clean Cities by website, social, etc. Yeah, so there's cleancitiesgeorgia.org. That's easy. That's easy. We also have driveelectricgeorgia.org, D-E-G, driveelectricgeorgia.org, which is uh, part of a, a grant funding that we uh, won to be able to advocate for the adoption of uh, electric vehicles. That's awesome. And then uh, there are, obviously there's lots of websites. Anybody, you know, if you're, you're doing any of your homework, there's, there's so many resources to, to, to uh, do that. There are EV clubs, you know, EV club of the South is here in Atlanta and, and Tesla club owners. There are different clubs um, that you can um, pay attention, pay attention to join. Uh, we host annual uh, EV uh, events, car show events. There's a National Drive Electric Week, which always happens the last week in September. So one of our most successful events was over at um, North Point Mall last year. We had over 80 EVs, an electric school bus, and electric motorcycles. See, that's display. amazing. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Driveelectricgeorgia.org. That's yep, a great that's right. way to get. How about for you, Frank, if folks want to reach you, what's the best way to reach out and, and uh, connect with you? Real easy. Frank at cleancitiesgeorgia.org. Even easier. Frank at cleancitiesgeorgia.org. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Always wonderful to have a chat with you. Callie, thanks so much for the opportunity. My pleasure. I want to thank Frank, of course, for joining me today. And also, I want to thank our listeners for joining us on the GNFCC 400 Insider presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. To listen to this show again or to hear any of our previous episodes, please visit GNFCC. 400insider.com. And to find out more about the Greater North Fulton Chamber events and programs, you can always visit gnfcc.com. Until next time, I'm Callie Boatwright, and this has been the GNFCC 400 Insider on Business Radio X. (laughs) 